Welcome to the Pat Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, and I'm here with my friend and colleague and co-author, Nancy Saxton Lopez. And I'm also here with my brand new friend, <laughs> Hildegard. <laughs> Hilde. She came into our family today. She is a rescue. She's three and a half months old, and she's, all, she's just great. We're just getting to know each other. She wants to sit on me, so I think she's going to sit on me. Through That's much right. of this. <laughs> but she's going to be part of the program. <laughs> she's going to be part of the program today. This is a program that Nancy and I do once a week on Thursday at six o'clock Eastern time. And then it's available as a podcast and on YouTube for video replay. And it's an opportunity to bring the content of our book, The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups to the present moment and to share some thoughts and share some recommendations from what we learned from all of the time that we spent facilitating pet loss groups. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully this is a program that will ease some hearts and bring some, some hope and, and some solace to people. And we recommend that you get in touch with us and send your questions and comments. And I'm getting a tongue, tongue bath as I speak. <laughs> and we'd love to hear from you and we'll respond to uh, your, your uh, notes to us. You can reach me at kenddv at gmail.com. And you can reach Nancy at nsaxtonlopez. That's N-S-A-X-T-O-N-L-O-P-E-Z at csmpc.com. We also would like you to know that this program is a friend of Dakin Humane Society in Springfield, Massachusetts. Dakin is a 501c3 community-supported animal welfare organization that provides shelter and medical care and spay-neuter services and behavioral rehab for more than 20,000 animals and people each year. It's been in existence since its inception in 1969. Dakin has become one of the most recognized nonprofit organizations in central Massachusetts and a national leader in animal welfare. You can learn more about Dakin and make a donation at dakinhumane.org. That's D-A-K-I-N-H-U-M-A-N.org. Nancy, you want to get us started? Yes, I can't <laughs> stop looking at Hildy. Um, so, you know, I had told Ken, you know, during the week that I had a conversation with uh, a friend of mine who is an animal behaviorist, and she actually had brought up to me that she was doing a, or had, had um, listened to a workshop podcast about when behaviorists are working with clients, uh, mainly dogs, obviously, that are incorrigible, that cannot be trained, that have so many problems and issues, that when do you have maybe a conversation with those pet parents um, that, you know, may lead to the animal, you know, being euthanized. And yeah. so, you know, which was really, you know, I, I, you know, thinking about that, I was like, wow, because those pet parents obviously were putting a lot of love and time and energy into their dog being trained. <laughs> And you, you and I know both that there have been many times throughout the years that unfortunately some some dogs um, will do have a bite history, 
Yeah. He'll be, you know, yep. all of a sudden bite, you know, another animal, kill another animal, bite a child. And it's just so heartbreaking. Yeah. Because yeah. the people, the pet parents, of course, would never want anything like that to happen. And then what are the consequences for that? Um, yep. In the context of loss. Yeah. And there's also situations where a dog kills another pet owner's smaller dog or cat or or chickens or geese or some other some other pet that's on their property and or bites another person. Yeah. And they are told that they're going to have to euthanize yeah. that dog. They're told by legal authorities that that's the remedy that they have to impose. And and that is just shattering. So first of all, they've been told that they may have been demanded to do that, you know, yep. or commanded yep. to do that. Um, and it is their first love, right? Or yeah. one of their loves that yep. they now have to make a really difficult decision. And then the guilt around that must be astronomical, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, we all have guilt to begin with, yep. but now they are, they're saying, you know, we did everything we can. There, there was a young man that we worked with. I don't know if you work with him down at the group. And he had um, adopted his cousin's, I think it was a cousin or family member's dog. And the dog was mis misused and, and, and abused to some degree by the cousin. And the dog got fixated with a door. If a door shut in a certain way, the dog would like kind of go crazy. Wow. And he spent, I don't know how many trainers, how many programs he went through all of these programs to, he really loved this dog. He wanted this dog to, to be fine, you know? And um, one night he was with his girlfriend and the dog was there and a door shut and the dog bit him. And he bit him so hard that he had to go to the hospital to his stitches. Wow. And so at the time his trainer said, we're kind of dumb. You, you, you got to be kind of yeah. dumb with this, right? So, so you know what? We need to euthanize him, right? And in his medicated brain, he said, okay. Oh, wow. Oh. And so afterwards, wow. he, was, he came to the group at least for a month. I mean, he, or well, a few months because it was only a couple, a couple times a month. It and sounds like he would have had to make that decision even if he was not in yes. in that state of mind, but the fact that he was in that state of mind made a difference, I'm sure. Yes, and he was he would sob. Yeah, in the I mean, he loved that dog so much. Um, but I we've heard those stories. I mean, a dog bites a jogger, and the insurance company says sorry. Yeah. Um, the story I had recently with with um, somebody I know whose dog was attacked by another dog found yeah. out that dog had killed another dog and attacked a dog and wow. nothing was done with it. It was this big to do around here in Bergen County. And we got the animal control people involved, ended up that the dog was owned by uh, um, someone in the police force. And it had killed a dog previously. Right. And there had been no consequence and it hadn't been, it hadn't been trained or contained. It hadn't been contained. I yeah. don't know if it's a training, but it hadn't been contained. 
And so this went on for a period of time. There was a lot of like, well, this is a delicate situation kind of deal. And eventually the dog did have to move. They didn't, they didn't say it had to be euthanized, but it had to move out of state. So it moved out of state. And then my, my friend found out dog was back, killed another dog. That's so, so irresponsible of the, the guardian, the pet's guardian. And I mean, so it was, I mean, unfortunately, these, these things kind of happen, but the, 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 oh, the people who lost their dogs and it actually went to court, right? Civil suits. Um, but the, the, that's like, if, you know, it's being murdered, right? So it's like when you hear families and they have to go through all of this stuff when their child is murdered or family members. Yep. Murdered. yep. And the layers of all of those emotions have yep. got to be just horrendous. But the idea too that the person who owns this dog it just lets this happen lets yeah. it happen over and over again it's so i would be so enraged and, about that of course now yeah. like my friend did get money back and her dog lived you know so he had oh that's but, good you know, it was a seven thousand dollar bill oh you know, yeah but, yeah you know they paid it but again it's it's you know if what would what would that person feel? Obviously, because it could lead to this, that their own dog would have to be euthanized. Right, right. And and so the complications. With Excuse that, me for just a minute. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> she was um, eating my microphone. <laughs> the complications are amazing. You know, having you know people have have coming to the group, and their dog was attacked and killed by another dog, and, and yeah you know, in the, in the area. Um, and so that is so painful to go through um, as just a loss and then complicated by the fact that it was a trauma, right? Sure, sure. I mean, to, yeah. to witness this. Yeah, yep. And, uh, you know, we've, I, I've mentioned that we, we had a dog who we had for a number of years and then he started getting, he started getting sick emotionally or psychologically and he became vicious and we ultimately i mean we took him to a variety of trainers we took him to our veterinarian we took him to we we, we were ultimately told and it was it, part of what was going on is my ex-wife was about to give birth to our son and the trainers and the veterinarian said he would not there's no way he'd be safe with oh. a child and in fact he's not safe for you and, and we were we were told that the options were to remove all his teeth. Oh yeah. Oh, or to keep him in a pen and, and basically like a wild animal, like give him food through the ball. So we didn't do that. We decided to euthanize him because we felt like that was no kind of life for, for him. And it was a very hard decision, but at the same time, you were kind of at a place where there were no other options really that made any sense. You know, we're not the kind of people who are going to take a dog, keep a dog tethered in the yard and have no uh -huh. relationship with it. That's, exactly. It's not, not the way we look at that relationship. But it was very hard and, and very painful because he, I mean, he had some behavior problems before that we worked fairly successfully with. He had some dominance issues, but then it, it seemed to connect majorly to the pregnancy. Like he, he kind of, one of the oh, trainers told us that he knew... Right. He knew there was a, a, a baby coming and he wasn't going to have that because he wanted to be in charge. 
Right. And it was very strange. I mean, a very strange situation, but very and painful. It was painful for you. Yeah. And, and yes, yeah. yes, you had to intellectually go through that and yeah. understand that this was probably the, what need, well, it needed to happen, but it was just so hard to let him go. And, and you know, these are the complications sometimes on either side, those having an animal that has been aggressive or a bite animal and then having to let them go. And the person who is suffering with their animal who has died or remained, you know, through that process. You know, I, I, I heard of another situation recently. I don't know if you saw this, but there was an alpaca. Did you see this story? No. There's an alpaca in the United Kingdom that was found to have I believe a kind of tuberculosis that was highly communicable. And in any case, the government mandated that the animal be put down. Right. And there was an extraordinary uh, resistance. There was like a protest movement that arose around this because the owners, the guardians of this alpaca said they didn't, they didn't see the reason for that. I guess I didn't really, I don't remember all the details, but I, I think they basically said that they could keep the animal apart enough from other animals. And, and they eventually did euthanize it. Yeah, but it, but if you have a, an animal who has some kind of communicable illness that, you know, is of that order, that's another possibility for, for this. And it's gotta be devastating. It's kind of like if you have a cat who, ha who is discovered to have feline leukemia, I don't uh, believe sure. it or AIDS, right? can be in the company of any other cats. Mm -hmm. And so you would have to try to rehome it with somebody who is going to have just that one cat. And that might not be feasible. And, you know, not everybody's going to take on an animal that has that kind of a, of a health status. Yeah, this is kind of the complication sometimes of uh, having an animal, loving an animal, and then finding out the different things that that um, either aggression or violence or illness or something or some other kind of situation that the animal can't live in. Um, but that goes into then you you know I was telling you to look at those that um, have service dogs. Yeah. Service dogs. Yeah. Now, service dogs, th this gets complicated because there are service dogs, there are therapy dogs, and there are emotional support dogs. And there's working dogs. Well, yeah, the working dogs are the service dogs, I believe. I think that that, I mean, because it does get complicated because all of them are animal-assisted therapies. So yeah, you, yeah. when you when you put it, put, you know, like write it all down. Now, service animals usually are dogs and horses, you know, to some Yeah. yeah. Um, they're trained specifically to do things, to do tasks for others. Um, seeing eye. Now, were you around when we did the group for the seeing eye? No, no. Oh. I remember you mentioning that. I don't remember yeah, participating so, in it. Yeah. So we we did it, and uh, uh, seeing eye is 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 in our uh, is in Morris County. Morristown, yeah, yeah. And so we did a companion animal loss group for a while, um, and it was very interesting because these are people that this is their, not only do they love their animal, but the animal is their lifeblood, right? It's their, it's how they maneuver their life. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. Is so, so overwhelming to them when yeah. they die, because they've not only lost their animal, but they've lost their eye. Yeah. It's and a, so, um, yeah. but 
that's the a kind of service dog. Um, or sometimes they tra they train the dogs to open things for you know people yeah. just open things and yeah, or they can, all kinds of can't you know there are dogs that sniff the emergence of a of an ep epileptic seizure. There yeah, are dogs that yeah. now are trained to to sniff out a diabetic crisis, the the beginning of a diabetic crisis. I mean, there's all kinds of and there's there's also just the dogs that are that are for mental mental health support. And those and those usually are the therapy dogs. Now I told you last last week I think that L, uh, Los Angeles has the first group of dogs that sniff out covid. So when people are coming off the planes and you take your mask off, they can literally smell. They can know. smell if they have if they're infected with covid-19. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. So but th these are the those service animals because they're trained to do those particular things. So you you lose a, in that case you lose such an intimate part. I mean, somebody who is we when we had that that wonderful couple on with us, mm -hmm. who they were talking they were talking about the loss of uh, Heidi's service dog. I mean, you could see that this was there were as you've mentioned there were layers of yes. of grief beyond even just having a family member. This is a person who becomes, this is a dog who becomes an extension of, of exactly. who, you are. who you are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and that even, you you see this now with police dogs, right? Yep. And police yep. dogs are, they're interesting because they can be trained in locating and apprehending suspects. They can be, they can detect explosives, drugs, and firearms. They can, are patrol dogs, they do uh, search and rescue. And you know, I think that when you start, somebody's down there. My, my dog just pulled out my light. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to fix it. Keep going, Nancy. I'm going to fix oh, it. Fine. <laughs> um, and so a lot of you out there may see like um, silly little thing. social media and so forth that when a police dog dies, they are given the full regard of a human police officer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? They have the whole thing. They have the ceremony. They have, you know, the uh, procession. They have the funeral. Um, so it's they are part of that fire or police family. Yeah. Right? She broke the light. She broke, she broke the light. She broke it completely. Well, Ken. And now she's, she's like looking at me like she did something good. Anyway, that's what puppies do. And they do. Yes. So, but yeah, I mean, they get, they be, and you think about how healing that must be for the partner who's lost. It's just right? really affirming the significance of this pet. I mean, it's not a pet, it's a working partner in that case. Do you know, I, I through this, I read that it's, um, in, in Britain, police dogs have a pension. So when they retire, they get a pension and medical expenses all paid until they die. Oh, that's as well they should. Right? So I right. thought that, that was that was really interesting. I, I don't know if it's all over Britain, but I heard, I saw I, there was one town that it mentioned, but I thought do, that that was pretty cool. Do you know if most police organizations have any sort of built-in support for when the dog dies or when you know, the dog retires? Well, they do have, you know, counselors. I do they think have they EAPs have, usually. I mean, without question, they would have an employee assistance program, I right. would imagine. 
I don't think, I don't know if they have a group per se, or I don't know if they have a particular grief counselor, but I do know that they have counselors. Um, but you see them. I mean, the other side of that is when a policeman dies or someone dies in the military, you've seen those pictures of the caskets out and the dog is, is laying underneath the casket. Yeah. The dog yeah. goes down the aisle and lays underneath the casket. Yeah. And that's the closeness of that relationship. You know? it, it, and I, I would imagine that, again, when one loses a work partner, somebody who you count on every single day, it's like if you, when you're, when a police horse oh, reaches thing. the end or it reaches the end of their life, or, or some of them I, I believe would be retired. We once had, a, we had a horse who was retired park horse, park ranger's horse. He had been a police officer's horse and then he was a park ranger's horse. And actually we had had him first and then he had gone through some other rotations in terms of his, his very long life of service. And it's so nice, right? And he was, he was being retired. I mean, yep. they, you know, well, we can get into another discussion about, you know, racing horses, but that's another discussion. But he was, he was, uh, uh, he was a standard bred horse who didn't have the speed. And so he was adopted and my, my wife at the time, my ex-wife and I had him for a number of years, and then we had to give him back into the adoption program because it was kind of too much with our child and, and everything else. Henry, but we, we followed him, and he was a police office. He was a police horse for many years. Then he was a park horse, and we came back as a park horse. He came back locally, and we would go visit him with, my, with our son, and he recalled us, and then he became, then ultimately he became a, a horse who was at a school for children with developmental disabilities. Oh, that's so He was cool. a therapy horse. He had a great life. He did. And, and uh, he lived to be into his 30s. Oh, and so, so cool. as you know, so that's another thing about horses is they do have a I very like long that. life. And so you can have a career with your horse and then... You know, then when you would lose them, I imagine that is, that's the, that's the end of a whole, an era that spans decades, yeah, I'm sure. Well, it is a federal crime for someone to assault or maim or kill a police dog or a police horse. So, which I think is good. You know, yeah, I mean, absolutely. It, it's a federal crime. I don't know if it's a federal crime, but it's usually a crime to assault and abuse an animal, isn't it? Yes. It, it, yeah. I, yes. And I, I don't, well, I have to remember for next time, but there is one city or one one state just made it, I mean, even a more egregious law about any kind of, of um, um, abuse of, of any animal or, neg or neglect. Mm -hmm. um, so, but then there's, of course, the, the therapy, you're talking about the therapy animals. You know, we had therapy animals come into Morristown, right? You know, they would come up to the, to the yeah. psych units. Or they would go to other hospitals, prisons, nursing homes, rehab centers, hospice, schools. You know, mm -hmm. there were a lot of dogs that were used. Of course, well, to go back, and then just 9-11 just happened, all the search and rescue dogs. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, that were at 9-11. I know? tend to feel like every dog is a therapy dog, really. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. They're all emotional support dogs. I mean, they're all, that's what I mean. They're all emotional support dogs. I mean. I was just telling, I was just telling you that I couldn't be dogless. 
That's right. <laughs> I just, I was like, I can't, it. I can't live, I can't live my life without a dog. <laughs> my no, husband, did, my husband feels a little bit differently. I mean, he loves them too, but they're not, they're not so much necessary for him. Well, some of us it is necessary. It's necessary. Like, it was like the day without. I, I, you know, what am I do? What's going on? I don't have a dog in my life. Yeah, I know. I understand. <laughs> um, and that's why little Hildy's here. That's, that's why she's here, wreaking havoc in my office. But what can you do? <laughs> I'm glad you have Hildy. You'll get another light, and it will. So that so so let's so let's summarize then. If you. It, yeah, so it, it I is mean, a special circumstance. Special circumstances, I think. I mean, we all listen. The people that are listening to this podcast, <laughs> we love our animals and we grieve desperately when they die. Yeah. Or they are right. killed or whatever happens to them. But then there are layers of that, you know, depending on the death, depending on, you know, what happened, depending if it was a tragedy, you know. But for these people, you know, the, the people that, that get such emotional support, physical support, social support, uh, behavioral support, that it's it's even their life is is wrapped up yeah. with these animals. Even more so, even more so. And as this, and service service animals, therapy dogs, and emotional support animals. For some people, they really keep that person sane. And yeah. so when they die or even if they retire, I mean, yeah. that's, you know, they do retire and sometimes that's a little easier because they can keep them. I'm not, I, I think they have to get another service dog, but, yeah. Um, yeah. but when they die, a part of them really goes with it because yeah. they were, they're so, so um, entwined with them. Well, what, as you said, they keep them sane. And I, I would say that they, they Another way of saying that is to keep them whole. Perfect word. Perfect yeah, word. it's like that's, and 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 so there's a there's a piece that's missing out of out of their out of their life existence. Yeah, out and of their they life. They have to move right into another relationship with another dog, yeah. right? Yeah. So they can't. It's like I'm thinking of the same guy. So so a, do a dog dies. So immediately they have to get another dog. So not only are they grieving and they've lost so much with this dog that they've known for so many years, now they got to they got to really start. They've got to build another relationship right in the away. wake of this loss because it's necessary for their for their functioning. It's necessary. And, and a lot of with kids, you know, you know, the animals and horses. Horses are, are used with kids a lot, um, and you know you know, brain injuries, ADD, mm -hmm. um, seizures, um, you know, autism. I mean, all of these, all of these types of, of behavioral and medical issues. And even for people, you know, they help them with their activities of daily living, heart disease, cancer, PTSD is a big one. I mean, you know, so, I mean, a lot of the people yes. come yeah. back from the wars. Yeah. A I, I worked with a, with a wonderful guy who had a service dog who he brought to work with him. And it was, it was so important for him to keep be, being able to work because of the anxiety, the, the, the episodes that he would have, the flashbacks that he would have, the dog would really help ground him yeah. in a calming way. 
So, and uh, just to end, because I know it was really interesting. There was one uh, one on social media, and they were training dogs to help someone who has a seizure. Mm -hmm. And the dog would literally crawl if the person was on the floor, and you know their head was going. It would crawl under their neck and hold it so that they wouldn't they wouldn't you know hit their head on the on the floor. Yeah, and I thought that. I mean, this is these are amazing animals, right? I mean, these are just you know, the, the things that they can do for us, the things that we, we get from them. And so, yes, when they die, it's, it's really hard. It's special. Hard. And, and, and and not to in any way lessen the impact, the, the, the significance of the loss of Anybody. our family pets. Yes. Because of course. they're, they're all, they're all vitally important to us. And, and we need to, we need to go through, the grieving process that that our constitution is going to bring us through. I mean, it's whoever, whatever our temperament is, whatever, whatever works for us. We need to respect ourselves and go through the process of, of grieving so that so that we can be well. All and, of our losses are yeah. so important to us, and the pain is is so great for us. So yeah, yeah. So it's an interesting. It's an interesting conversation and and it just to me it just it it just validates further the depth of our bond with our companion animals and yeah. and how many different ways they enrich our lives and and how many different ways they become invaluable yes to us so when i look at little hildy well, that's I why think, you needed hildy <laughs> i mean i can't look at her without laughing even though even though she's going to be a piece of work, I'm sure. <laughs> but it's Absolutely. true. I can't look at her and not smile. And that, you know, what? How important is? Right. How valuable is that? Right. <laughs> so, it doesn't so, make you laugh. And it's yeah. So anyway, Nancy, it's always a great conversation. Oh. I look forward to talking with you next time. I absolutely take care, everybody. Take care. <laughs>